0: Hi there. I'm Hetty Popson, President and CEO of Productions Plus. I'm so excited to share this next podcast with you because I believe strongly in helping actors achieve their goals and win their roles. Joining me for this podcast is Debbie Williams, a Productions Plus theatrical talent agent, former professional actor and great friend. Debbie and I spent years as working actors on two separate coasts before joining Productions Plus in our respective roles. We hope you enjoy our conversation today about what we've learned as we've now gone from actors to agents in this episode of the Productions Plus podcast. Hello, everybody! We are so excited to be on today's podcast. I've been dying to do one of these sort of like the Who's Your Daddy?" Just to have two ladies sitting around chatting, and that's what today is going to be. This is not Vanderpump Rules reunion, but maybe almost as good a little reunion. Um, I'm Hetty Popson. I am the CEO of Productions Plus. And I'm with Debbie today. Hello. Hi, everyone. And we decided we wanted to do a podcast entitled From Actor to Agent and kind of reverse where we've been in our world and how we got to these roles and why we left the business from one side and came to the other side of the business so we thought it'd be a fun conversation between the two of us and our experiences and where we lived and what we did and we're just going to kind of roll in and talk about what we wish we knew oh so much way back in the day
1: yeah I mean I I started out um in the dance world I was trained as classical ballerina and I I did that from you know, the time I was four years old until I was around 15 or 16 and then wanted to sort of delve more into acting. Um, But I was a kid who didn't know that the professional world really existed for me when it came to the arts. I thought, well, this is something you do for fun, but you have to like have a real job, right? Right. And um, so it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I got out there and and I went to school because I figured I had to because I had to know how the business worked, right? Parents make us go to school, right? Yes. And then um, and then yeah, and then I just jumped into the theater world after that. But it took me a while to even realize that this business is in fact a business, and it is in every market it's not just when you're in LA or New York like it's everywhere right so
0: I get still really irritated when people say what's the backup plan to actors right because this is this is the arts people this is creative and without the arts without museums without architecture you know everybody wants to take a trip to another country and go look at the museums and go watch dance and go look at all the culture well we have culture everywhere and without artists we don't have it so parents If you are listening, your kids don't need a backup plan. Kids, if you are listening, you don't need a backup plan because there are tons and tons of jobs within the industry. Absolutely. And
1: you, for those of us that are creative types, if we don't keep that creative juice flowing, we're not good at the other things that we do. That's the thing. Like The only times I felt like I've been stuck in my life are when I didn't have that creative outlet, like when I was in transition and didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. And as soon as I got myself back into a rehearsal room or a studio or on a set, until then, I felt stuck
0: you know. Yeah, it's just like an athlete who doesn't find their groove until they're actually playing the sport that they're good at or somebody right. who's great in finance who works for a bank. So I think yeah. first of all the first myth we're going to dispel and the first thing we wish we knew when we were younger okay. is you don't need a backup plan and this is a legitimate form of business. For me, you know, I was raised in in Detroit outside of Detroit and as a kid spent the night at someone's house Rolled, you know, rolled off the bed, cut my knee, and the doctor said, get her some physical therapy. And so my parents enrolled me in dance. And same thing, you know, started in ballet because that's what I think my mother fancied is real. Everything had to have credibility. I had had an English, you know, kind of professor as a mother who worked as a paralegal and a father who was a mechanical engineer. Okay. So everything had to have some system and some logic to it. Sure. But um, through dance, it was actually my dance teachers that said, hey, there's dance competitions. And this is, you know, we're talking like late 70s, early 80s when I'm coming around and this stuff was all just blooming. And now it's kind of second nature. Every kid that takes dance goes to dance competition. But in that time, that was, you know, really unique. And because my mother worked at a law firm, turns out that one of the lawyers had a daughter who was exploring acting, and she was a kid actor. So my mother got me signed up with the same agency, and I started doing commercials. I had my SAG card when I was six. Wow. And I wish I knew then that you don't have to also kind of pigeonhole yourself. You know, I went from working all the way through my my childhood years to my teenage years and doing a lot of commercials, a lot of on camera, but also doing a lot of community theater until I got my equity card and, and really just exploring the performing arts. And I knew instantly, like, this is something I want to do, something in this genre, something in this world. And I know my path took me from Michigan State to Chicago for just a quick two years to L.A., and you spent most of your time in New York. Most of my time was in New York, but I did grow up in Connecticut,
1: so that was, like, sort of an easy transition. And I was more interested in theater, so that's, that's where you go. Like, I just one day, you know, like, early 20s, hadn't gone to school yet, graduated high school, didn't know what I was doing, And uh, my brother was dancing at the time with Washington Ballet, and he had come home for a visit. Wow. Yeah, and he, he came home for a visit, and he's like, you seem down, you seem stuck, what's going on? What are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be on stage. And he's like, well... You got to go to New York then, so let's get you there. (laughs) And literally, he got out the phone book, remember those? Oh, yeah. He got out the phone book, and the first thing in the phone book was AADA, the uh, American Academy of Dramatic Dramatic Arts. Arts. And I was like, no, I want musicals. And so the next (laughs) thing was AMDA, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, made a call. They're like, sir, uh, your sister's going to have to actually apply for herself. (laughs) He was like, I know, I'm just seeing if it's possible got me all set up, got my audition set up, and then the rest was history. I was in New York forever after that. I, I, I did a, an accelerated program that was like 16 months, I think, and the first month out of school, I was on a national tour of a chorus line, which was like my dream show and had just closed on Broadway, so it was all kind of kismet, and everything kind of flowed from there, but... Um,
0: yeah. yeah, I think it's a lot of it is what you see, too. So today, you know, we see and I hear from a lot of young actors that we represent and models, I want to be an influencer, I want to be an influencer mm-hmm. because of all this evolution of social media and such. So when I was growing up... You know, I had people that I worked with, like Sutton Foster and her yeah. brother Hunter. You know, Sutton was quite a few years younger than me, and a you know young teen, and I was getting ready to go to college. And her brother went to University of Michigan. I went to Michigan mm-hmm. State. We did a lot of work together. So I saw that. Yeah, I saw, let's not
1: forget Hunter. He's yeah, that's too. not
0: no. Hey, <laughs> brother sister duo, right? uh, magnificent people too. Yeah. Really great people, great family. But knowing that that existed, and I watched another friend of mine, Elizabeth Berkeley, who went on to Saved by the Bell. Um, right. The these are all people I grew up with and had the opportunity to work with. You know, yeah. we, we booked commercials, we did print every week in Detroit. We were very, very busy before kid actors kind of really became a thing. Sure. And going back to what I wish I knew, my parents with kind of the regiment of this probably won't happen, that kind of undertone of negativity, because they had never seen it happen for anyone. And each friend I had that went for pilot season, like Elizabeth and booked a Show, I was like, oh, I could do that. i do that every day. So I wish that I had had a little bit more knowledge or modeling to say, hey, this can happen. Parents, you know, you don't have to keep this uh, as a maybe. It can happen so for parents, you know, that might be listening, for kids definitely the the believe factor you know i know so many actors now even in their 50s that are just coming into their prime yeah and in their 30s because they just didn't give up right tenacity like anything else for sure and
1: and just yeah knowing that you can do it and and yeah parents being behind and supporting like my parents supported us all through dance but my dad always said find a trade Find something you're good at. (laughs) Got to have a job. And I thought, well, yes, and I want to do this, though, you know. I remember um, my my high school uh, guidance counselor when I was, like, I think it was a sophomore in high school, and you start talking about college and what you want to do. And I remember going to them and saying, well, I want to, like, sing and dance. And they were like, oh, well, you can't really go to school for that. And I was like, well, what about Boston Conservatory? Well, Boston Conservatory is very expensive, and there's still academics. Well, I know, but what about, you know, what about NYU? NYU, you need better grades. It's got to, you know, it, it costs so much money, and how is that going to happen for you? Let's think more realistically. And, um, and that's why I didn't go to school, out of high school, because nobody wanted to guide me in that direction. But that's what I was good and passionate about, you know?
0: And I'm glad you bring that up because the guiding, I think the teacher piece is another piece that people overlook. Yeah. I had a great high school drama teacher who was very, very supportive, okay. but her impression was sort of, "Hetty already does a lot of this. Hetty's on TV. Yeah. Hetty does this. So you be the character actor, Hetty, because other people need a chance to star in something. Right. And as much as that was difficult at times, I think it also did cause me to stretch a little bit and look at things yeah you know, through a different lens. And everything was not handed to me. In fact, in high school, I felt like I was fighting against a lot of things. But in college, I had this wonderful professor. And and I was really disappointed that I was going to Michigan State. I had offers from Carnegie Mellon and Northwestern, but it was a financial thing. And I think a lot of it, again, was that reality thing. And I went to Michigan State and, and instantly fell in love, but all of it because, again, things lined up. I right. had a Michigan State had a wonderfully supportive theater program especially um, in the years that it was becoming more formative sure. and Wharton Center for the Performing Arts oh, yeah. had just been built and I wish I knew then what that would be like to perform on that stage for 2500 people yeah, it's and I crazy. did for four years straight I was so privileged and I really learned how to work an audience, how to work a stage in that level. Yeah. Because it's still, like, one of the best 50 auditoriums in the world. It's a fantastic theater. So you don't know sometimes what's in front of you, but the supportive teaching that I had in college... Um, one of my professors who was also my college guidance counselor, academic advisor, she had worked a lot in L.A. And she said, you have this little teeny face. You have this big voice. And you could do theater, but I think TV will be better for you. So take that path. And she really helped encourage me to go to California. She said, why are you stopping at Chicago in between? Why are you doing that? Unless you really want to do theater full time. So by the time I got to L.A., I always heard her voice. You know, you can do this. You can do this. And then I think that belief and the training then have to marry the commitment, the tenacity, and the desire. Sure. Because there's so many times you are in between jobs. It's not like a normal job where you have 365 days a year, you know, guaranteed work. So that's where I think it all comes into play. And when you're in the major market, knowing how to work that. If you have no connections. Like we came, you right. and I, from no parents that knew anybody. Right. No, here's your house in New York or right. your house in L.A.
1: No, I mean, we struggled in New York. I had three roommates and we stayed in school housing for a short time. But even that was super expensive. We were like in a hotel across the street from school on 72nd Street and Broadway. And um so we got our own apartment up in Spanish Harlem. It was this little tiny box and we had little tiny mattresses laid out on the floor in the little <laughs> tiny bedroom. And um, and yeah, and we took the bus and the train to and from and just kind of found our way. But the one thing you don't think about um, as well, even in major markets, you need a survival job. You don't need right. a backup plan, but you need a survival job. So like I did everything from like, Waiting tables, of course, because everybody does that. I was a magician's assistant. I was for Productions Plus. I actually did a couple of like event gigs where Mm -hmm. I was like, one, I was dressed up with like the letter E for EPromos.com. I love it. Um, at the Javits Center, yeah. So you do all kinds of little bits and pieces, but those things can't become the only thing because then you forget about the reason you're there, Right. right?
0: And I think that is also, you know, sort of the balance, what I wish I knew. I was really lucky because I had established myself as a name in the whole Midwestern market. Sure. So my survival job was literally calling Productions Plus or a backup agent in a different city and saying, hey, I've got three weeks off. Uh, what can you get me? What can you book me back to back? Right. And they did a really good job of calling directors and producers. I had worked before and said, you know, Hetty can come here, but we need three weeks mm-hmm. of straight work. Also, the auto shows. Yes. And I think that's sort of my tie into Productions Plus and my loyalty, which is probably why I started here in the agenting world, because that was my survival job. I loved it, though. Yeah. I had travel. I had a chance to perform. I started auto shows when I was a junior in college, and I remember going to the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State, Mm -hmm. because the only way my parents were going to let me do this is if it did not delay my graduation. And I said, listen, you offer elective classes. What is a better elective credit for me than to be performing, to be traveling, to be understanding what it's like to rehearse a script, perform every day? And I was allowed to use my elective credits... Get paid for working the auto shows, and that created sort of my initial backup plan. I mean, that's a perfect
1: I wish I knew. Right. Um, Because I started with auto show with Productions Plus, too, um, but not until I had met my husband, Ron, and he had lived in Michigan, and, you know, we met in Pennsylvania and then ended up together in New York. And I was cater waitering, and I'm like, yeah, this is what we do. cater
0: waitering. Yes.
1: I'm like, this is what we do, you know, because we could work a job or not work a job. And you get big tips, hopefully, at the end of the night. And then you go at, you know, 6 a.m. and stand in line for your EPA for some Broadway show that you really want to be in. But you make the money the night before doing the catering gig. And Ron hated it. Like, he did not want to wait tables. He did not want to wait on people. He was not a people person in that way. And he was like, we need... To do something else. And I used to do auto show. And it's pretty awesome. And I was like, Oh, yeah, what's it like? And you know, so he got me an audition. And then we worked for different companies for a while. But I mean, it's great work. And, and your schedule can be as big or as small as you right. need it. You just talk to your agent and say, hey, I'm available, you know, 30 days. I mean, I don't know how it works now, but that's what it was back then. Like, you'd say, well, I'm available 30 days, 50 days, 100 yeah,
0: days. Yeah, you give everybody your blackout schedule. It's great. And for me, yeah. that was my sort of my backup plan. But that also afforded me, again, things I'm glad I knew. It afforded me the right acting classes. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're in a major market, there are certain teachers and they have stayed some of the same teachers for 10, 15 yeah. years. There are certain theater companies. There are casting director workshops sure. in every major market. And all of that was important for visibility, yeah. all of that. so and that you allowed, can't afford it. Yeah, so yeah. that allowed me the money to do that. And now I feel like as I went through that whole path and as I continued you know, keeping auto shows in my purview there and also doing a lot of public speaking and a lot of hosting and mm-hmm. emceeing and trade shows, all of that kind of pointed me in the direction of, yeah. I'm a much better spokesperson, you know, back to when I was an actor. I was a much better spokesperson or communicator than I was even an actor. For me to go deep into character and become somebody else wasn't always as fun. It's just, you know, hey, I'm Hetty, and this is where I am, which again evolves into where you go. And by dad, I remember specifically taking the job with Productions Plus and starting to go to pitches. Okay, we're going to present to this company or this client and try to get this account and, you know, just like you're doing when you're an actor and you're trying to get this soap opera or this day player role. So I, I assumed the position of what I knew. And my dad said to me, when I finally took the job of productions plus and had an account manager job, he said, now you have a real job. Oh. And I said, let me tell you about this, Dad. If I didn't have the other job, I wouldn't be good at this yeah. real job. And we had this great laugh together. Oh, my goodness. And he said, Ann, do you remember when you would go down to work in the basement with me? And he reminded me of something. As a mechanical engineer, he worked a lot on the weekends. And he would draw and he would kind of come up with conveyor systems and things that he worked on for different automotive companies. And while he was down at his drafting table in the basement... I would make him bring me down a binder and construction paper and fashion magazines because, you know, that was the thing. My mother loved reading fashion magazines. And I would cut out pictures of models, and I would tape them into construction paper, and I would make up their names. Like, this is Jill, and this is Lynn, (laughs) and this is Kelly. And I would literally make him put down a phone and disconnect it, and I would answer the phone, and I'd say... Teddy Popson's models, who would you like to book? Stop it. And he was reminding me of this, and I was crapping off because I'm like, Dad, I did full that. That is what moments. I did. So, full circle moment. And without having been an actor, I could never do what I do today in helping actors sort of achieve success and also helping clients understand what their marketing message evolves to. Because yeah. you can study marketing and you can come up with a brand plan, and all of that's wonderful. Yeah. But if you don't have somebody to communicate that message, yeah. I'm sorry you've just wasted a lot of money because we don't have a bot yet today right. that's going to make that kind of connection with right. people and that's nope. what actors do they connect
1: they do yeah and it's and it's amazing being on on this side of things having been an actor because there there really is um there really is so much that you didn't realize like I always mm-hmm. felt like um I always felt sort of disconnected from my agency. Even though I knew everybody here, I felt like, oh, well, I'm like a number. I'm like, you know, right. one of the thousands, what have you. And, and, and that's okay. But being here on this side, like, I like getting to know talents. And I, I want them to book it, you know. Right. Like, my, my whole purpose is to give the client the exact person that they want so that their day is shorter too, you know. And it's
0: such a feeling of accomplishment. And I wish, those are things I wish I knew too. I was with William Morris for soap operas. and I was so excited. Mm -hmm. I had William Morris and I was also very intimidated. Even though I had earned that, I had auditioned, I had soap opera auditions. I was terrified to go into the agency to check in with anyone. So I sort of became just this peripheral talent. And I really want to encourage actors that might be listening to this, don't do that. Right. Make sure your agents know you. Relationships are everything. And and Debbie and I are utilizing our relationships now on this side. Yeah. And not just our relationships with people we know or casting directors or producers, but our relationships with talent. Yeah. To say, hey, I've got the perfect job for you. Don't say no to this. This is it. You know, we the agent has to talk the actor into it. The actor has to accept. And there's such a fine dance that we all do yeah. to say, trust me.
1: And actors for real, like like you were saying with William Morris, which is a hu- much bigger agency than I was ever with, but I was with like Helen Hayes for a little while and I was with DDO for a little while mm-hmm. and I always still felt that way. Like I felt like, well, I'm not the one that they really want to, you know, they just took me because. And you shouldn't feel that way about yourself. You should no. feel like you're the most important client that they have. And honestly, like I'm an agent and I'm sitting here saying, Bug me. Like if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't heard, heard her, bug her. Yes, because, <laughs> because there are a lot of talent to
0: choose from, right? There are. And you
1: wanna be on my radar and so and I want you to be, you know.
0: And it's so nice now too, because the radar has expanded. We were talking before we got on the podcast about Yes, things we wish we knew when and things we wish we had, opportunities we wish we had, because now literally you can live in any state, any country, and book work can be submitted by any agency, which makes us feel really excited about the future of our work here because everything's self tape and voiceovers are done in your home studio
1: right all you have to do is make that investment and then you I just booked the other day no today um, a, a voiceover session for a talent in LA and the recording studio and the ad agency are here in Detroit and they're just connecting via Source Connect today and it's fun to be able to book people all over the place.
0: You know? It really is, and it's great for actors too. It's just such good exposure, especially yeah. people who again don't have a lot of connections, don't have large agents. Now it doesn't matter who your agent is, it just matters that your agent cares. Yeah, it just matters that you're being represented, that that you're
1: being submitted and that you're I like to say that you're being submitted in a small pool because when you submit everybody then it gets a little tiring going through all these headshots. Right. So please, if you feel like you don't know me, get to know me and let me know what's great about you so that
0: when that job comes up, you're in that small pool, right? Yeah, and actors, keep, keep busy and keep listing. List with as many agents as you can if it's a non-exclusive situation yeah. because you want your opportunities to increase and look for, I always like to say, look for that survival job that somehow still ties in. Yeah. And, you know, people used to say that was waitressing because you never know who you'd meet. And that that is, there's an aspect of that. I think anything that keeps you engaged with others, anything that sort of inspires your creativity. And there is a whole world of trade shows and spokesperson work that we discovered a little late in the game. But it's out there and it pays really, yeah. really good money to go and do that. I
1: just remember when I was pregnant and I couldn't do any theater work and I was doing auto show in between theater jobs, but there was just nothing for me at the time because I was really pregnant and I got to be one of the Kaizenets. We had like a girl group for Toyota and we sang three part harmony and we sang like shows like once an hour. And, um, and so through auto show, I was getting to do something that I love so much. And with my baby in my belly, she was like listening to me sing that whole that whole season
0: and that's probably why she's so talented now she has two parents that are not going to tell her she needs a backup plan but no inclusivity i'm really glad you brought that up because you know it's funny you're saying i couldn't do this pregnant you could do everything now at any stage of life and i love the inclusivity of you know everybody looks however you look everybody is whatever size you are yeah i remember five years ago this whole big debate about Really, Are we going to have larger people on the cover of Swimsuit Illustrated? I mean, come on. We're in a whole world where everybody is visible and everybody has an opportunity to be seen and we can recognize ourselves in everyone that's out there. And that really increases the advertising, you know, kind of pool and all the availability. So do not limit yourself. No No matter where you live, what you look like, everybody is hot right now. There's no one type that people are looking for. And we've certainly, through the world, gone through the blonde hair, blue eyes stage, and this, now it's at, you know, everybody come as you are, and I love this, I love this mixing pot of our world, and how great it is to be able to submit everybody for any role, male and female sometimes.
1: Yeah, we're not all trying to be the same thing, that, that's something that, that I wish I knew was coming around the corner, (laughs) because boy, we, you know, everybody went through the phases, and you were trying to emulate whoever was hot at the time, and instead of just walking in the door and being ourselves, you know. That was tough. It was it tough was. to do that. Even when I came here when I was doing like commercial and voiceover and things, I had to be like Midwestern suburban mom. But that's not who I mean, that is actually in fact who I am. But it's not who I felt like. She's I'm, a
0: very chic suburban mom. That's I'm a
1: little just... I'm a little wild, I think. But I <laughs> But I had to like think about like, well, don't like color your hair some crazy color or don't, you know, don't dress this way, dress that way because you want to represent this little thing. When the fact is there is a there's a spot and a job for all different types. And if I know what you are, if you're not the same as everyone and I know specifically what you are, then when that comes up, I know to call you. You know?
0: And I think that's the same way on the back end of this profession. You know, there's something for everyone, and you don't have to be an agent that comes from a big market or has all this experience. So when we talk about a backup plan or a survival job, look for what motivates you, look for what inspires you. You know, clearly I was playing agent as a teenager and didn't know that I was actually going to be an agent and I'm it's interesting I kind of consider myself more of an agent with a twist because I do get involved with so many of our client relationships and I do work on maintaining business not just getting new business I'm not in sales you know I'm, I'm here for the brand of productions plus but a lot of that comes from my experience in again being able to connect people and brands yeah
1: yeah that's why you're right there Sitting across from me.
0: And that's why you're there. So come (laughs) see us, everybody, and have a great week. Thank you for
1: listening to the Productions Plus podcast. Please follow us on social media. You
0: can find us on Instagram at Productions Plus. We'll see you next time.